Well, amen. Before we take up our offering, let me share you a couple of things with you going on around our church. Um, I mentioned a little bit about Simply Christmas earlier, but Simply Christmas is a time for a ladies' evening of just great conversation, great food, and it's on uh, December 7th, and so you can register a couple of ways. Um, you, there's a table outside, and you can register there. Thanks, Scott. And um, you're welcome to register there, or if you want to open up the app, the second button on the app, you just hit that, and you'll go straight to the registration page. If you're new around here, uh, we want to thank you for being here, but especially want to invite you to be a part of uh, two things. Ladies, I urge you to go ahead and register today. And uh, I think it's like, babe, it's like 20 bucks, something like that, yeah. And so you get a world-class speaker in Rachel Lovingood that'll be back here with us. And um, food's gonna be awesome. That night, is this place kind of turns into, Jenny calls the term whimsical. It sounds so girly to me. Well, well I guess it's supposed to be. But, but the fact is, go ahead and register today for Simply Christmas. So if you go out today and you buy a table, like a table is eight people, and I think you get one free seat when you buy a table. And today, I'll throw in, pick any one item you want out of our store over there, T-shirt, sweatshirt, pop socket, whatever we got, and uh, go get it registered. Because I, I re- this is one of those things that, while it's for our ladies, it's really for our community. And so invite friends, folks you work with and your neighbors to be a part of that. And then, oh, night divine, oh, my stars. It's just going to be unbelievably cool. And then uh, before we take up our offering, uh, when you go out today, there's another table there along with our store. But uh, Susan Roebuck, who does all our community ministry, just one of the greatest people ever, um, she has done a lot of work. And uh, this is so cool. Jordy Whaley, one of our students, uh, has run it for her. And uh, so I begged Jordy to come up on stage and talk with me. And she was like, no. No. And so I thought, well, I can talk. So uh, when you go out there today, well, before I say this, let me just kind of give you a background, right? So for several years now since I've been here, we've provided Christmas for like 300 kids a year, sometimes more, sometimes a little less. And all of this happens because our local school counselors, like in 12 public schools around us, um, they coordinate everything with, uh, with Susan and our community ministries office. And in the middle of all that, they kind of sort out, here are the kids that if, if somebody like us doesn't provide Christmas for that kid, they're not going to get a Christmas. And every year you guys rally around it. And so this way, the year Susan has made it so simple for you. So you go out in the back afterwards and you get one of these cards. And each card has five boxes on it, right? So it tells you how old it is, how old the child is, a boy or girl. And then there's a code in there because the code is when you take one of these, you're agreeing you're going to get it done because by December 10th, those gifts come back to us wrapped. And then it gives you five boxes. He wrapped five separate things and all of them are the same, which is whatever size shoe, whatever size pants, whatever size shirt, socks and underwear to go along with that, and a toy wish. Like this particular uh, little girl is four years old and she wants a doll, right? So you're talking about uh, shoes, pants, underwear, socks, toy, right? So you decide how much you're going to spend on that, but we Folks usually, man, they come through. So let me tell you how this works. You go there, you get your name, they match you with the card. You take the card by December 10, you bring those gifts back. Then the staff on one day right before this Christmas break delivers all of those to all of our different schools. When we take them to the different schools, they all go to the counselor's room. And those children who have no idea it's coming, take those gifts home. Come on, how cool is that, right? So um, here's what I like to do because you have to, everybody has to own one. All right, so th- this, is, this is the way this works. So like on this one right here, let's see, who should own this one? Um, 
Oh, Reuben, I know you wanted this one. Reuben, come here. I, I thought I heard you saying this is the one that you would take. That man, you are the most generous dude. I mean, it's amazing. So Dr. Gresham, well done, man. By the way, this particular kid, the doll she wants is like 800 bucks. But given your new job, bro, you can, you can afford this deal. So Merry Christmas. That Reuben, man, you cannot give that dude. Yeah. Okay. Hey, we got to tip an offering. Come on, y'all. Let's do this. Um, when, when you give around here, uh, it goes to some, some work that's unbelievable. So um, seriously, 12 local schools. Uh, we are packing thousands of, of book bags every year. Uh, over at uh, the Path Project, this is one of the coolest things ever. So Anissa Lottie, who is one of our own and just one of the coolest people, uh, she and Susan, in partnership with Path Project, we have this trailer over there, right? And we bought the trailer and we've gutted the trailer and our guys have fixed it up and they care for these students. And we agree to take a kid from preschool all the way through a senior in high school. And our commitment is through the ministry we have there, we are going to drastically reduce the dropout rate in high school in our city so that we can have students that will go to college and ensure they go to college and come back into our city and invest in it. And our church right now is planting seeds that people are going to sit underneath trees and find rest from because of what you did. So when you give, man, give generously. Uh, I have said the last week, we're, we're trying in the next seven weeks to raise $660,000, which seems like it's impossible, but I promise you it's there. You can do it. It's just a matter of whether you choose to give. I mean, most everybody I know does something year in giving. Uh, when you give to this church, I promise you that is going to mission and ministry in the field and making a difference. And I, you know what? I'm, I, I'm not ashamed at all. Please give generously. If you're one of those folks that come here, and it's a lot of you that don't give a dime, give something. If you're here and you're giving a little bit, decide what the Lord will have you give sacrificially. If you're here and it's already hurting, ask the Lord what you're supposed to do. And I just want to encourage you, don't miss the blessing. You cannot outgive God. So let's do that now. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to return to you something that you've already given to us. And Lord, would you do what only you can do and allow us to, uh, to not just meet a goal, to make a difference and a lasting imprint on our community. Lord, you, uh, you own the cattle on a, th on a thousand hills. And so we're just asking, would you sell a calf or two so that our people continue to reach more and do more? We are grateful for a grateful church and we are grateful for generous people. Thank you, Lord, for the benefit and the joy of serving you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Yeah. Hey, if you're a veteran, uh, can I just say to you, man, uh, I had a pastor blunder last week. I had so many things going on my mind. We didn't stop and say to you, thank you. So let me just stop and say to you, here's one thing that I know that I know that I know. We, st we still get to live in the greatest land on the planet and it is because of the sacrificial service of men and women who have been American soldiers. And I just want to say to you guys, thank you so much. I mean, I just can't thank you enough. We, uh, I'm, I was also just a, a little humbled and reminded, man, total pastor brain freeze last week. And man, I didn't want another Sunday to go without me just publicly saying, I'm so sorry and to let you know how much we love you. All right, today, we're just going to tackle a subject that I've called, Can You Smell That Smell? All right, so if you were like an old rocker back in the day, Leonard Skinner did a song, and, and the lines were, Can you smell that smell? If you never heard that, when well, you were probably a good kid. 
I think that says a lot about what I was. <laughs> but I like the concept of can you smell that smell? We all have a smell, don't we? Aren't, aren't there people in your life that you can remember smells? Like my, my granddad, my favorite granddad and my pop. Anytime I got to his house and around him, you get in the car, he drove like an old Rambler, man. He was like that big AMC Rambler kind of dude. And he'd get in those, that car and you could smell electric shave. Y'all remember what electric shave is? It's, yeah, it's like this green bottle of stuff you put on your face when you shave. And when you do, like, man, it, it will like, like burn and peel the skin off of you, you know? But that's what my pop smelled like. I can remember just thinking, pop, he's, uh, uh, it's always about electric shave. So every now and then when I'm at Walgreens, I go down that aisle and I find electric shave. You can still buy this junk, but I mean, seriously, I bet, it's, I bet if you really figured out what it was, it's like Botox. And so... It, Every now and then I'll twist that top and smell and it's like, mm, pop. Man, I remember it's smelling like pop. But you know, then I remember another season, like in the back of the Suburban or the SUV you drive, and there's like all of your kids' soccer cleats and the bag that was left over, and they were sweaty, and you forgot to take them out. When you got in the next morning, it was like gag reflux. You know what I'm saying? And then there's, there was this, this thing of like when you go into like grandma's house and you smell fresh baked cookies, can I get an amen? Seriously, when you walk in and sugar cookies are cut in the shape of a Christmas tree and you dust those bad boys with red and green, those little sprinkle things. Oh. And then you have the other kind of picture, like a few weeks ago when I walked into Lanier's high school's football locker room, it reminded me of high school. And I think to myself, does every locker room smell that bad? And the answer is yes. Some of those boys have never washed their practice uniforms because they didn't need hangers. Literally just sitting there right? But then you got the other side of it. Like you ever walk down the mall and you can smell that warm Cinnabon? Yeah. Yeah. I know. So like, you know, they have blowers that blow that smell out into the mall, right? No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not making that up. It really, they do. And so you, when you walk there and you catch that waft, you know, it's like, I know I shouldn't. But you know, what's 2,000 calories? <laughs> so you get that bad boy, you get up there, and there's a part of you that thinks for half a second, I'm just going to get a little cup of them, you know? But then you see the one they've got like pecans on the top, and they've got that cream cheese icing, it's dripping over the edge, and when you bite into it, you get that buttery cinnamon stuff, and it drips down your chin. And like in my case, it falls on the shelf, and then, uh, I mean, we're talking crazy. You, you got that smell? Can you smell that smell? Okay, so I got that. But then I had another one that hit me, which was like every now and then when I get a hug from some senior adult lady and they smell like white shoulders. Anybody remember white shoulders perfume? Yeah. So every time there's like one, one particular lady, she hugs my neck every Sunday. And in the back of my mind, I think, you're my mom. Like mom always did the whole white shoulders thing. And it, it really, those, when you are around enough white shoulders, your head is ready to explode because it'll just kill you. But we, we've, got all, we've, got the, we've got all these scents that remind us of things. Well, in today's scripture, Paul writes this text that said, you have an aroma. And then he tells us what kind of aroma we should have. 
So in the book of 2 Corinthians, you'll find that kind of earlier in the New Testament, the the text in chapter 2, beginning of verse 14, says this. If you don't have a a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, you can follow with me on the screen. It says, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. So before I get into verse 15, you got to understand the context in which Paul's writing this. Now, if you've been around here a while, you know that I believe one of the best ways you can study the Bible is to determine and figure out what was the context in which it was written then so that we can understand the context in which it's written for us today. In the context it was written then, Paul's talking about this, this, um, this triumphal procession. But here's why he uses that language. When he's writing this, the Roman Empire is growing rapidly. And every time they take another city and they conquer another city, they take the people and the leaders of that city and they put them on a parade, a processional that proves that we are now captives. These people have taken everything that's near and dear to us and we are now slaves and servants to the Roman Empire and they truly build this processional, go right through Main Street and everybody there has this weighty feeling that we are now captives. So Paul, though, says, but when you have chosen to follow Jesus, when you've chosen to smell like Jesus, there's this sweet perfume. And rather than being captives that have been forced into slavery, you have now willfully chosen that Jesus, I need you to love me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to be on my side. I needed to run into your arms and I want to be in line, in step with you. And Paul gives this picture that we then can join Jesus as we were to walk into that processional, not as slaves that have been conquered, but as servants and slaves that have chosen in love to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he says, this is what we're going to do. We are going to walk through there and the city is going to get this smell, this aroma of us. And they are going to be captivated by that smell because they're, they're going to know we walk, we talk, we think, we answer, we sing, we pray, we do these things. And that aroma that comes off of us is the aroma of Christ. And as we walk and as those things happen, he gets into verse 15 and he says, our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Paul says, listen, your smell, some people are going to totally dig it and other people are going to totally walk away from it. If you're going to smell like Jesus, if you're going to act like Jesus, you're going to lead like Jesus, you're going to love like Jesus, there are going to be people that are just totally fall in love with Jesus because of your smell. But there are going to be other people that are total repulsed by it. And listen to what he has to say about them. He says in verse 16, to those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. I always picture that text kind of like this. You've got a shared hospital room and you just got that curtain between. And on one side of the curtain, you've got a family 
And that family is rejoicing about this person who thought they were on the edge of death, but they have been healed and they have come full circle. And they know tomorrow they get to bring their loved one home the day before Thanksgiving and they're all going to be together. And death hasn't taken that joy away. And just on the other side of that screen is a family who, who when they came into the hospital, they had no, no idea how bad it was. And they're weeping and, and they're remorseful and they're heartbroken and, and they're thinking, but this is not good. Paul paints this picture that says, understand that there are those that are going to see and they're going to reject and they're not going to take that on. And they're going to choose the perishing. They're going to choose the dreadful smell of death and doom. And there are others who are going to choose the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. And he's saying, and your smell is going to have people that you repulse. And your smell is going to be, on the other hand, something so unbelievably fresh that the world would want to say, I want some of that. Several years ago, I, when, when, I, when I was not as nice as I am today, I, I was on a plane flying home from San Francisco on a red eye from San Francisco to, to Atlanta. And um, dude sitting next to me, I got bumped up to first class because that time I was flying all the time. And, and I sat down, dude next to me was already asleep. But I could tell you, man, when I sat down, it was like, oh my stars, that dude smells so bad. It's like he'd been, he must have been in that seat for like 48 hours, you know, and never got up. I mean, it was charming time, bro, seriously. So once we cleared 10,000 feet and the bell rings and the captain says, you're welcome to get up and roam around the cabin. So it hit me. So I, I opened up the overhead and in my carry-on was a small spray can of Axe spray. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I will never forget that Delta flight attendant looked at me and went, <laughs> I don't recommend doing that, by the way but it did smell better. You know the problem though? Sometimes those type of things like Febreze are designed to mask what's really there. Have you ever noticed like Jenny picked me up after six days on the Appalachian Trail without a shower? Oh man, there's not enough Axe body spray on the planet to cover up that smell. She had the windows down and it was pretty chilly. And I said, babe, can, can we roll the windows up? No. <laughs> we are going straight home, and you are getting in the shower, and you are throwing away everything that's on you right now. <laughs> so I did. You know why? Because I couldn't mask it. It was the real smell. It was the real deal. We are to wear the fragrance of Jesus, the fragrance of Christ, and the picture comes from this phrase. But thank God he's made us captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. God took us captive, not by force, but by our faith. When we said, I want to walk in that parade, I want to be on that processional, I want to follow Jesus. And so if you think about these Roman triumphal pr uh, processions, it, it, was, it was 
it was customary for them to have this incense that would be several feet and, and another scent of incense. And they were, they were trying to say that we're going to cover up the smell. Can you see how Paul would take in all of that and put together this thought so that us today, we could read this and say, wait a minute, that what happens is when we walk in the office, when we walk on the job site, when we walk onto the showroom floor, when we walk into the school, when we walk with our family, when we come back in the house, then you, you get to choose what you smell like the real you. You get to choose what you're going to smell like. So you look at that and you think, well, we consider the knowledge of the gospel to be a life-giving word of peace and hope and has this aroma of goodness, this aroma of hope, this aroma of peace. This is an impact that happens in our life that, that literally is not about good deeds, but it is about what happens well within your heart. The aroma of Christ doesn't start in the hand. And it doesn't start in the feet. It doesn't start in the ear or in the eye. The aroma of Christ starts in our heart. And inside that heart, this is what we need washed. It's one thing to take a shower. It's one thing to use Irish Spring. It's another thing to use Axe deodorant. It's one thing to spray Febreze over the jacket. It's a whole other thing that when we, we invite Jesus into our heart by choice and he takes that scrubbing, wonderful fragrance of God and washes our heart and says, now we're going to have the things that happen with our hands and our feet and our eyes and our ears and our mind because our heart has been changed to the fragrance of Christ. So now you get to choose. Do I need, do I want my heart to be scrubbed? This morning on the right, on the right end, I, I literally was just talking to God out loud all the way in, listening to these songs that we were singing today and saying, God, I need you to scrub my heart. I, I need you to whitewash my heart. Clorox, acid, whatever it takes, etch away from me the stench of selfishness and sin. And would you clean me up? I want my fragrance to be better than something I spray. I want it to be you. Because see, I think we stink when we lack integrity in our dealings with people. We're just not above board to say, here's the problem. I think we stink when we're, we, we, we try to fool everybody and show up and play Jesus, but in our heart, we don't mean it. I think we stink when we, we don't, when we don't pray like we should. I think we stink when we don't give generously. I think we stink when we, when, when we just stay in the sense of, I want to be a part of gossip and bitterness. And I think we stink when we do all those things. You know, I think the church stinks sometimes because we put more emphasis on what we sing or how we sing or whether the air conditioner is too loud or whether the lights are just right or the lights move over the congregation or what do we wear? And I'm telling you, man, when the heart has been cleansed and has the aroma of Christ, all that stuff is junk. All that stuff doesn't matter. When Christ gets a hold of your heart and he cleans it from the inside out, you stop worrying about denominational labels. You stop worrying about, I gotta love those people even if I don't understand them or know them. Your heart gets washed and you don't care if they're black or white. You don't care if they're Asian or Hispanic. You don't even care if they're gay or straight. What you care about is, I'm here to love you. Because see, that happens in our heart. But it happens here. This is what gets scrubbed. The list of what we can stink goes on and on, doesn't it? I mean, man, I gotta tell you, if I sat down and let's just say I had a GoPro that was like attached to my head, but facing at me, you know what I mean? Like the, like the guys at snow ski and stuff or like the fishing shows. And, and somebody said, you know, it'd be a great idea is we're gonna follow Chuck 
and he doesn't know it all week long with a GoPro. And we're going to show it on Sunday morning. Let me just stop and say, your pastor has great ability for his own heart to be filled with wickedness and sin, with doubt, with insecurity, with fear. And goodness sake, I'm a pastor. But I got to tell you, man, I, as a human being, I, I don't want to stink with the aroma of sin. I don't want to smell like the aroma of selfishness. I don't, I don't want, I don't want what, what wafts off of my being to be a person that is bitter and, and angry. I want the authenticity of the smell of Jesus to come from my heart and be revealed in my hands and my feet and my eyes and my ears and my thoughts and my actions. So I thought, man, what would be the things that would cause me to smell like Jesus? It's so easy to point out the things that aren't like him. But what would be the things that I literally could do in my life and I could choose that I want to smell like Jesus? So I, I wrote these six things down and just started praying over what are the texts that looks like this. And I came to this thought that we smell like Jesus when we serve other people. We smell like Jesus when we, when we take those gifts, we wrap them up, we drop them back, we deliver them to school, and at no time do we ever put on anything, hey, this was something from Sugar Hill Church, because the heart of the gift is not to brag on what we've done. The heart of the gift is we ought to do it because we smell like Jesus. Listen to, listen to what the text said about serving one another. Mark Gospel, and he writes in chapter 10, verse 45, he says, for even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, if you want to smell like Jesus, you got to walk in those footsteps. And Jesus came along and said, listen, if you want to be great, you got to be a servant. He came along and he said, listen, I would rather be a ransom for many, but I didn't come to be served. I came to serve people. You know what the church has to do to smell like Jesus? Love people, serve people. You say, well, Chuck, I don't want to help those kind of people. Okay, find another church. As for me and our church, man, we're going to love people. We are going to serve people. We're going to serve people when they're, not, when they're not lovely. We're going to serve people when they're grateful. We're going to serve people when they're not grateful. We're going to serve people when they say bad things about us, and we're going to serve people that say good things about us. But what we are going to do, as long as we have breath, as long as we have the opportunity to choose the aroma of Christ, we're going to serve people because if you're going to smell like Jesus, you've got to serve. But you know what else I found? That we smell like Jesus when we love. You know what I found when Paul talks about the love chapter that we, we hear in almost every wedding ceremony? He says phrases like this, love is not rude. It's not boastful. It's not proud. Love doesn't end because love always serves. Love can't wait to just overcome with the goodness and the overflow of what Christ has done in scrubbing the aroma of Jesus in us, that it overflows in our actions and our thoughts, most especially for the people that we love most. You say, well, Chuck, this whole love thing, it just sounds so soft to me. Okay, well, watch this, all right? What if you could know that if you chose to spend 10 minutes with God every day and made it a part of your routine, that you could say that in that time that Jesus could literally come in and start scrubbing your heart and let you feel and know a love that you have never felt before? I think most of us would line up for that fragrance, wouldn't we? I think we would. When we serve, when we love, I think we smell like Jesus when we forgive. Man, I got to tell you, I don't do this well. I mean, I really don't. Because when, when, when I feel like I'm wrong, do you know what the first thing that goes through my mind? I'll get mine. 
In the back of my mind, I hate, I'll hang on to something. I'll get embittered by it. I'll get, I'll get sinful with selfishness and pride, and I'll think to myself, next time you wait. Isn't that awful to hear that, that a guy like me that does what I do would admit that? I know that's not cool. But you know, it's not cool for you either. I have more people that show up in my office dealing with this one issue that they cannot move forward because they cannot bring themselves to forgive. Listen to what the text says about this in Colossians chapter 3. Make allowance for each other's faults. Let's just stop right there. There's a comma there. Make allowance for each other's faults. Paul is assuming, as, as God through the Holy Spirit is directing Paul to write these words, Paul is saying, I'm taking the assumption that all of us have faults. So let me just stop and say to you, for all you perfectionists in the room, with all of the insecurity you have, the trying to figure out how to make everything right, at the end of the day, we've all got our weird stuff. I mean, seriously? If we, if, if, if we had the GoPro on you and we were showing this, you know what we'd find? We all got our own junk. We've all got our own securities. We all got our own fears. And this one thing that I believe keeps us from experiencing God more than anything else on the planet is the, the inability to forgive. For some of us, it's an action. I'm so sorry. Done. For many of us, it's a season. I want to be sorry, but I got I to work through this. I see this in, in, in marriage counseling and in post-divorce counseling all the time where somebody's just eaten up and they've, they have taken a poison and they've swallowed it and that bitterness and that anger is holding on for years and years and years with somebody. When, I, when I'll sit down and I'll say, but have you, have you allowed Christ to scrub your heart so that the aroma of forgiveness can happen? And when I hear the answer is, but you don't know what they did to me. The answer is, it doesn't matter what they did to you. We've all been wronged. We've all wronged people. But if we're going to experience the aroma of Christ, at some point we've got to say, I'm willing to forgive. And you say, well, Chuck, I'll forgive everybody but that person. Then Jesus is saying to you, I can't clean your heart if I can't have it all. So he says in Colossians, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So if you want your smell to be an aroma of Christ, we got to forgive. We have to serve. We have to love. We have to forgive. Watch this. And we have to pray. I, I, I want to tell you, this, this, the greatest thing that's happened in my life spiritually is learning what it is like to just push the green button from the moment I'm up until the time I'm ready to fall asleep and I still don't push the red button because I'm just trusting that I need Jesus to sit on the throne of my heart and keep cleansing me over and over and over again. But did you know that right now Jesus is praying for you? You say, well, wait a minute, I thought prayer was on our side. No, no, no. It's not just us that pray. He's praying for you. Imagine yourself as you're walking down this path and you're on a, you're, you're on a steep hill and the, the hiking trail's about, about 18 inches wide and you can't go right because there's a cliff and you can't go left because there's a sharp rock and, and you got to keep going. But eventually it widens out a little bit and there's a fork in the road. And when you get to the fork of the road, you got to choose something. And right there at the fork of the road where there's nowhere else to go, Jesus is praying for you, praying that you would allow his Holy Spirit to 
to give you direction to cleanse your heart, to make those choices that are God-honoring and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and to choose to take the other route, you are literally stepping over a praying Jesus for you. So you say, well, Chuck, when you put it that like, man, I need, I need some cleansing too. Watch this. Some of us need a little smell test. Tell me you hadn't done that. I guarantee you, every dude in this room has done that. Seriously, you, this is what you picked up the shirt. You knew you wore it like three times already. And you're like, yeah, I can make another day. Just on behalf of the rest of us, no, you can't. There are some folks in this church that want to hug me every Sunday, and it's like fist bump only. Can't do it, you know, because I don't smell white shoulders, and I don't smell electric shave. Some of us need to take a smell test of our heart. Is there any aroma of Jesus left? You say, well, Chuck, listen, I've been coming to Sugar Hill Church for 58 years. I was, I was baptized in the old church, and you know what? It's, I, okay, good for you. What do you smell like today? What do you smell like today? I look at this, and I think to myself, man, when we serve, when we love, when we forgive, when we pray, man, we, we, we got this aroma of Jesus stirring up in us. And then, then he says to us, I want you to come to me. I want you to spend time with me. We smell like Jesus when we've been around Jesus. You ever been around somebody when, you know, like they're, they're smoking, but the windows are up and you're dying and gagging for air and you get out of the car and you smell like the Marlboro Man? You ever been there? Yeah, I mean, you walk out of some restaurants. Like if you go eat at Provino's, it's like when you walk out, it's like you bathed in garlic. You know, like you can brush your teeth 18 times before that, that Sunday morning, but everybody around you on Sunday morning is like, whoa. Yeah. When we, when we spend time with Christ, we're giving him more time to clean our heart. When we come to him and we have this, Jesus, forgive me, just take my heart, clean me up, make me new. For some of us in this room, what we've got to do is we, we've got to first invite Christ into our life so that we can choose to spend time with him. And the more time we choose to spend with him, we have the opportunity for him to continue to bathe our heart. And there are a lot of people. Listen, if you're one of those people that does a little quiet time, you got your coffee, I mean, you got your Jesus calling book, you got your, you got your, little, your little read through the Bible in a day, or you got your phone out and then you take a little Snapchat picture of that. And it's like, man, I'm loving Jesus today. But there's a lot of people that are like, man, Chuck, I don't know how to do this. How, how do you spend time with God? Starting tomorrow morning for five straight days to get you all the way through Thanksgiving, I'm going to invite you to join me on the app or online, and I want you to join me. I'm going to guide you through about an eight-minute meditation each day that starts with gratitude, with Scripture, a little commentary on the Scripture, prioritization in your day, and how to pray through the day. All you got to do is join me for five days. You can do it anywhere you want to, but I believe with all my heart. I was asked not long ago, if you could do one thing in your church, what would you do? If you could just do one thing, the one thing I would do is I would say, I want you to take on a spiritual desire to have a routine to spend time with God because he is not hiding from you. He is waiting for you to come out of the bushes and acknowledge he's there. I want to invite you, just join me on that. You say, well, Chuck, listen, that's all kind of self-serving, you doing all that. I get it. I know. But if, if you want to do it, you're welcome to record with me. 
But don't we all say we need to have some time for Jesus to cleanse our heart a little bit? Wouldn't we all say that the world would be a far better place if this happens? When we serve, when we love, when we forgive, when we pray, when we spend time with God, we have this aroma of Jesus. And finally, we, we smell like Jesus when we give like he gave. The, the most famous Bible chapter of all time, for God so loved the word that he did what? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he? Yeah, they gave. Listen, friend, I, there's, there's four kind of people in here when it comes to money. Folks, that you ain't going to give a dime and you, you're just freeloading on the church. And you know what we say to you? I'm so glad you're here. But grow up. Do something. If a sacrificial gift's a dollar, give a dollar. But do something. Get on the right side of generosity so that your heart can be, can be cleansed. We've got folks who, who give a little something. And they're like tipping God. Then just ask God, what do you want me to give? And when he says it, stop talking your way out of it. We got folks here who give generously all the time. And you know what I say to them? Keep going because, listen, the Lord's doing some of the coolest stuff in this community and in Haiti and, and in Kenya. Let's don't miss that blessing. And then there are folks who have great capacity to give big. And you know who you are. If you want to have the aroma of Christ, give and give generously. But Paul at the end asks this one question. He says, who is adequate for such a task as this? And I look in the mirror and think, not me, man. I don't have the capacity to smell like Jesus every day. I don't have the capacity to forgive every day. I don't have the capacity to, to give every day. I don't have the capacity to forgive or to spend time with Christ. I have days where my, my heart is wickedly heart and is in desperate need that it needs to be softened and to be scrubbed. And I think through all that and I say, but here is the caveat in all of this. In Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul answers the question, who has the capacity to have this aroma of Jesus? Who can take that processional and let that smell of Jesus walk around them in their home and in their work and in their play and in their church? And he makes a statement, he says in, Corinthians, or in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualifications come from God. So if you're here today and you say, Chuck, I'd like to do all that kind of stuff. I'd love to be able to serve. I'd love to be able to pray. I'd love to be able to love. I'd love to be all that stuff. Then watch this. Then it starts with an invitation. Jesus, would you come into my heart and whitewash this heart and let the aroma of Christ start to come from my heart to my hands, from my hands to my feet, from my feet to my head, from my head to my ears, from my ears to my mouth, and from all of those to my actions so that I might be the aroma of Christ in my workplace, in my home, in my play, in my church, and I don't want to stop until I'm there. Because I promise you, man, you cannot hide the aroma of Jesus when it's there. And it's the greatest thing in the world. Let's pray. God, I think some of us, including me, Lord, we need, a, uh, we need to take the uh, smell test. And, and we need to discover what part of our heart and our life needs you to come in and scrub it. And God, for, for me and for so many in this room, Lord, we just, we just need to surrender our heart and say, would you clean it up so that we might have the aroma of you 
And then would your spirit give us direction and clarity that we, that we never stop smelling like you? There are folks here today, Lord, who said, I don't, I don't know how to do this Jesus thing. I don't know how for him to be a Rome. I don't really get the whole concept. But I know this, that I, I need a change in my life. And I need God to do something radical in my life. Then, Lord, would you speak in their heart and let this prayer be theirs and let them even pray it silently in their heart or even out loud in this room. Jesus, I want to trust you. I want to smell like you. I want to walk and talk like you. Thanks for dying for me. Thanks for raising from the dead for me. Thanks for the promise of heaven and for this life. But clean me up and give me your aroma. I want to live for you. I want to know that heaven's real and that on my heart is written forgiveness. So, Lord, do what only you can do in this time of worship. And it's the name of Jesus, our Christ and our King. Amen, amen, and amen. So I want to invite you now. We're, we're going to sing a song that just absolutely exudes everything about the aroma of Jesus. Every time I heard Leanne in the 930 service sing this, the great I am, I kept thinking to myself, the great I am smells so good. The great I am is not caught up in foolishness and sin and games. The great I am is in, in, the, in the business of cleaning our hearts up that we might have the aroma that smells more like him. I need, you need, we need the aroma of Christ found in the great I am. Come on, let's worship him.